How many opportunities in life have I missed out on because I simply didn't tell somebody, I think I could do that. I think I'm ready. I think I know that thing. And I was like holding myself back. And I said, I'll never do that again. And I noticed that in the gas station life, I noticed that in pretty much all facets of my life. I remember even working in construction, like people would literally get promoted before me, even though they joined the job after me. I literally was killing myself because I just didn't raise my hand to let somebody know I was interested. So I refused to allow myself to miss out on those opportunities. And I started doing that with tech and I started like learning, being involved and part of a lot of opportunities. I met a lot of amazing developers. I created a great network. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends, invite them to subscribe, and connect with us on social media. So today I have Danny Thompson. Do you mind giving a brief intro of yourself? Yeah, I'm Danny Thompson. I'm a software engineer. I've been at quite a few companies now, and I have helped... Almost a thousand people in their very first jobs in tech. I'm very passionate about technology, but also just people in general. And I'm really happy to be here. No, thank you so much. So you have a very interesting story. You went from frying chicken at a gas station to where you are today. And so I really want to dive deeper into that story. But before we go into that story, um, one of the reasons that people get into technology is the flexibility of the work and the fact that you can earn some serious money. What have been sort of the salaries that you've seen for someone with your level of experience? Yeah. So, you know, this is something I talk about quite often, right? Like, there's a lot of factors that go into the actual compensation of a role. One of the biggest factors is location. Someone in New York City or Los Angeles, California is not going to be earning the same entry level or senior level pay as somebody located in Memphis, Tennessee or Dallas, Texas. It's going to be completely different ranges. One of the factors is cost of living. It's going to cost you significantly more to live in New York or Los Angeles versus these other markets. And so, for example, when I was in Memphis, Tennessee at the time, getting six figures for a role, especially your very first job, it's almost impossible. Like, I've never met anyone that's been able to do it. The cost of living is just so low over there. But if you lived in San Francisco, anything less than 100 grand is like almost mind blowing for your first role. So I like to always premise that before answering questions like this, because people see the TikTok reels and the Instagram reels of like, oh, I make 150 grand and I, you know, I just got out of college. And everyone's like, me too. I should totally get that. But the reality is there's a huge factor. And so for me, my very first job in tech, I ended up making 75 grand a year, which I was very grateful for. I know a lot of people in the city don't even make that. And it was a lot of negotiation and a lot of a lot went into that, but 75 grand. But now I know other people that have got their first job in tech and it was like yeah. 40 grand a year. And the one thing that I like to premise this with is the paycheck from your first job will never match the pay of your third job. What matters the most, especially early on, is setting the tone for the rest of your career. And so I've met people that I literally, one of my closest friends, he makes $650,000 a year as a developer. Uh, He's quite up there. I mean, he's been in the industry for quite some time now, and he definitely works for one of the top tech companies, but the pays can go tremendously high. That's actually one of the reasons why I love tech so much. You're paid for the value that you can bring in versus any other industry where you might just be paid based on uh, 
like you know comps or uh, something that would be deemed for your role. But you could tr- if you can provide value, someone's going to put your name on a paycheck, and it's going to be worth it. Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. And you know, you're so right because I see so many people, they're so focused on the first salary and they're like, I won't take the 60,000 job because I saw someone on Twitter made 150K. And then six months later, they still don't have a job. And it's like, you could have had six months of experience. You could have been building your skills. And I've seen people who started at that 40, 50K, two, three years later, they're tripling their salaries because they stuck to it. They were smart about it. They domain expertise. So I find that sometimes people get too greedy because they're watching YouTube and TikTok. And again, those people are there to sell you opportunities, right? They're not going to say, hey, get 40K for your first job in tech, put in hard work. And after years, you might do that. So thank you for being really transparent with that. Now, you are obviously very successful and hardworking. If you could create a blueprint of your success to pass on to someone else, how would that look like? It's a really interesting question because... I don't necessarily think everything can be replicated exactly for every yeah. single person. Again, lots of factors go into it. But I think the first thing that I tell people all the time is if you want to become a successful developer or even if you want to become someone that's really good in this industry, the first thing that you should probably prioritize is understanding that you're not being hired to just write lines of code. You're being hired to solve problems. That problem-solving mindset is paramount and very important, especially within this industry. And I think so many people put emphasis on just like memorizing syntax, but not realizing the syntax should be the thing that you are solving a problem with. Like, for example, a carpenter utilizing a hammer or or something along those lines to to build something. This is the same thing here. JavaScript being a tool, PHP being a tool, Java being a tool. I know there's memes out there for languages, but the reality is If someone has a paycheck with my name on it, I'm learning whatever it is that they want me to learn. And so I see so many people get caught up in items like that where it's holding them back. For me, prime example, my entry into tech was with Java Angular, right? After several months into the role, my company was shifting to Golang and React. And so they basically told me, Danny, do you need to... We can give you a couple months to help you find a new job. And I was like, why? I'm, I'm more than willing to learn Golang and React to stay here. They're like, oh, we would love that if you're willing to do that. <laughs> like, it didn't even dawn on them because so many people are like, oh, no, I'm sticking with yeah. Java for life. And I was like, yeah, if you're paying me, I'm learning. Simple as that. And I ended up doing that, shifted with them, used Golang for a couple of years. Now I'm back in Java. But I think the reality matters here. Whatever you're doing, do it to the best of your abilities, but also be completely open and fluid to rolling or transitioning with whatever's coming next. Because a lot of decisions are going to be a major factor here as far as upper management deciding things, your team deciding things. 
I'm not tied to any idea or tool so much so that I'm willing to give up anything else that comes my way just because of that. So for me, that's probably been a big key of my success. I'm willing to adapt as long as it makes complete sense. And I'm not stuck on the idea of whatever I'm doing is the perfect way and I'm not open to any other critique, ideas, or influences to improve my processes. And I think, especially even when it comes to developers, I was subject to this. I would always think, especially going into like a code review, for example, I would say, oh, my code is great, la da 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 And if somebody critiqued that, I'm like, oh, they're saying I don't know how to code. I can't believe they're saying that. I would be so protective over my code to where I was like, my code is not me. It's an extension of what I can create with the knowledge and abilities that I have at this current moment. I shouldn't be completely turned off to any critiques or improvements or better processes. And the earlier I made that shift in my mind, the more receptive I was to getting better advice from senior developers, different people on my team. Even I'd go to meetups and get unofficial code reviews. That helped me become better. So understand, you're not your code. It's just something that you're creating with the knowledge you have at this current moment. No, and I love that because I come across so many people and I want to tell them like their portfolio sucks. Like it's like, hey, you need to, but I'm not going to go out and do that. So that's why it's very important to go out and ask them like, hey, what can I improve? How can I make things better? Because if you don't have that, you're kind of going to kind of stay stuck. You're going to be the developer that no one wants to work with because you don't have the ability to take feedback. Now let's, let's go take it back. How was high school like for you? And what did you want to become in high school? So, you know, I didn't grow up in the best of circumstances. And to be completely honest with you, I remember my highest aspiration at that time was uh, to be a garbage man. I remember telling my father, we didn't have the best relationship. We still don't talk. But I remember telling him, hey, I'm going to be a garbage man. Why is the, the, that, that the limit? And to be honest with you, you know, I grew, up, I grew up in the hood, right? Like, so for me growing up, you're told certain things as the limit, right? Like, Oh, go work at that construction company. It's a union construction company. They have great benefits. Or go be a city worker. They have great benefits. There's nothing wrong with those jobs. But when that's the limit, when that's the ceiling, once that's the highest thing you can aspire to be, like, how is it possible to think past that? And so my entire life, like, that was the barometer of success for myself. When can I become a garbage man? When can I get a union job or something like that? And to be completely honest with you, I didn't know if I was going to see a later part of my life. And I remember when I first started working in gas stations and I was making like, you know, 400 bucks a week. I remember even telling my wife, like, I'm making $400. Like, yeah. we made it, you know? But that's all I knew as far as making income went. And then you start having a child and you start getting responsibilities. And then you start seeing the bills piling. And you're like, that $400 is not going where you thought it was going at 18, 19 years old. It's hard to make a sustainable living this way. And I remember for the lack of a better term, once I started realizing I could break through my ceiling, I was like, why did I cap my success for so long? And I've noticed, especially with a lot of people, they cap their success based on the approval of a lot of other people. And so for me, early on in life, I was stuck by that. I was constantly seeking the validation of others. And I realized one thing, in order to actually be successful in life, I need to stop looking for that external validation. and I truly honed in on one aspect. Sometimes in order to be successful, 
you need to truly be willing to disappoint others because their definition of success may not match yours. And that's exactly what I started doing. And I'm so grateful for it because even when I was learning how to code, I was telling people that I was working with the gas station, like, there's this coding thing. I'm super excited. I'm going to do this. And they're all like, stop, 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 stop. Like, you, you got a good thing going here. Stick to the gas station. The coding thing is not for us. And I remember like visibly feeling disappointed, but I realized, you know what? It's not for us, but it's for me. I'm sticking to this no matter what. I'm so glad I did. But it didn't click for them at that time. It didn't make sense to them. Now it's slightly different. Like they totally get where I was coming from. But back then, until you bring it to life, they can't see your vision. So I had to bring it to life for them to realize what it is that I was a part of. No, it's very true because they probably don't know anybody who codes that looks like them. They don't know anything about it. So to them, it's something that they see on TV. Now, when did it click for you? Like, I'm going to throw this out and I'm going to try this coding thing. Like, how'd you even get introduced to coding? The reason why I got into tech was because of a rapper. This rapper invested several million dollars into a tech company. And at this time, I was 30 years old. I was working in a gas station. I didn't really have a ton going on. But I knew I found myself at like a fork in the road, right? I was like, if I go right... I'm going to be in this gas station until the day I die. Simple as that. If I go left, I've got to make a change. It's got to be now, but I don't know what it is. And it was at this time, I was at the store and this interview came on the TV. And they're talking about him investing this money. So, of course, he's asked, like, why did you invest this money to a tech company? And he said one thing, this one line changed my entire life. I'm learning how to code. This blew my mind because I never knew that somebody from my kind of background could ever learn how to code. Coding was reserved for like the PhDs and the rocket scientists of the world. That was what I thought. I didn't know it was for somebody like me. So I'm like, learning how to code? What is he talking about? So I kept thinking about it. I kept thinking about it. And the reasoning I started coming up with to me was profound. I said, why don't I know more about my laptop? Why don't I even know why my laptop costs 2200 bucks or why my smartphone costs $1,500? Why is the extent of my knowledge when it comes to tech opening YouTube.com and watching some cat videos? Why don't I know more about this amazing machine that I literally touch 90% out of my day? Why don't I know more? And I started thinking, I was like, yeah, that's it. I need to start learning more. Why do I need to figure out why this whole thing revolves around my life, but I don't know the basics of it. Like, I know the basics of my body. Like, if I get sick, I'm like, oh, I could probably ride this out. Or B, I'm like, oh, I need to take some medicine. Something's not right here. Or like, my car, like, if I'm driving, I know this is cool. Or if it makes a weird sound, I'm like, oh, that's not normal. I need to get this checked out by a mechanic. Why don't I know that about my computer? And so he started learning how to code and so did I. And I got on freecodecamp.org and I started learning. And, I, and if you know me at all, you know, I always say there's two things that I owe my entire success to. One of them being free code camp. I got on that website and I just started coding and I started learning. I started absorbing and it was great. And I started going down that path of learning. And about a couple months in, the second thing that I owe my success to popped up onto my feed. And that was meetups. So the second thing I owe my success to, meetups. I went on Google and I started Googling uh, meetups in Memphis, right? I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what it was about, but I kept seeing this on a lot of forums I was on. And there was a meetup in Memphis and I went to it. And at this point in my life, I knew like HTML, CSS, like the basics of JavaScript. And I had made an app. And to be honest with you, like I could cure cancer with code. I was that good. It was <laughs> terrible, man. No, no, It was so bad, but I thought it was so cool. Like I made an app where it was like you enter the URL of an image and it returns the image with like some coloring on top. Think of like Instagram's worst possible filter. That's yeah, yeah. what I made. But I was so proud of it, man. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I got this. 
And I remember going into this meetup and I instantly realized that I don't know shit stuff. I don't know anything, right? Like, I don't know the first thing about anything. And I remember hearing like all these like foreign languages being spoken, like Java, C Sharp, and SQL. I never even heard of these words. I didn't know what any of this meant. I thought the world began and ended at JavaScript. But now I'm hooked. Like it, it introduced me to like this brand new breadth of knowledge that I didn't even know existed. And I'm like, okay, I'm really geeked out about this. Like this is brand new stuff that like it's never come to me before. It didn't come in my like range of information. But now I want to find out more about this. But I instantly realized that I'm basically like being excluded from a lot of these conversations because I don't even know how I can begin to contribute to it. I don't know how I can talk to these folks. And I'm freaking out. I'm kind of sitting in the corner, you know, quiet, reserved. And I'm like, okay, I realized then I'm excluded from the conversation. And I told myself as I was kind of nervous, sitting in the corner, I still remember this as they, like the wall behind me was like brick wall and the other wall was like, actual drywall. And I remember feeling the cold brick on my shoulder. And so it made me feel cold. And I said, I'm never going to feel this cold brick on my shoulder. And I will never be excluded from another conversation again. And I went home and I started studying my behind up. And I started learning everything about JavaScript and ES6. And I remember going to that next meetup, like, do you know how to do error function? Do you know how to do this in ES6? I went home and started learning more about SQL. And I went to that next meetup the next month, like, do you know how to do a SQL table? Do you know what a SQL query is? And I went home and started learning more about Java. And I was like, hey, do you know about Spring Framework? Do you know how to do this in Java? And now I don't feel that cold wall on my shoulder anymore. And this amazing community of developers has me in the center of it. It's almost like a, a, a big meetup hug. And I'm involved in in the center and on the side of a lot of these conversations that I once was afraid to be a part of. I sabotaged myself quite a bit in the beginning because I just was nervous. I was afraid. And I realized something. How many opportunities in life have I missed out on because I simply didn't tell somebody, I think I could do that. I think I'm ready. I think I know that thing. And I was like holding myself back. And I said, I'll never do that again. And I noticed that in the gas station life, I noticed that in pretty much all facets of my life. I remember even working in construction, like people would literally get promoted before me, even though they joined the job after me. I literally was killing myself because I just didn't raise my hand to let somebody know I was interested. So I refused to allow myself to miss out on those opportunities. And I started doing that with tech and I started like learning, being involved and part of a lot of opportunities. I met a lot of amazing developers that created a great network. And to be honest, to this day, it still brings me lots of opportunities. And it's probably one of the most successful things that I've done to date. You obviously moved up. How was that getting that first job? How did it feel like? And how'd you get it? Man, it sucked, man. It was terrible. It was garbage. No, it was great. What are you talking about? Like, it was the... Think about this, right? For a lot of people trying to break into tech, you're chasing something. And it's not something that you're chasing passively. You're putting in days, months, weeks some folks, months and years, right? You just want some kind of proof that the effort that you're putting in is worth it. And so you want validation for the work that you're putting in. The only way you can truly get like rock solid validation is by landing that first job, right? And so for a lot of people, they hear these crazy timelines, like, oh, it took me three months to get a job in tech, took me 90 days. Look, I'll be honest, I've only met one person in my life in real life, that has actually landed a job in 90 days, right? 
Every, and he'll even tell you, like, he had an in into the company. Like, he knew somebody to get in. For the vast majority of people, it's going to take them significantly longer than that, right? And so you start putting these hard timelines on, and it becomes really, really difficult to kind of get things going. And so for me, I purposely went through a couple bad interviews and realized I need to take more time to learn this stuff. And so as I gave myself that mental preparation of I'm taking more time, I wasn't so hard on myself on the journey. And so as I was pursuing this and learning and growing and doing all this good stuff, I was like, cool, I can get this job. And when I got it, like, of course, the earth exploded. I mean, I was partying. Like, I had a great time. Like, I celebrated with my family. It was everything that I wanted. But everyone notices when you finally break in and get that success. No one's really paying attention when you're up late at night, early in the morning, you're studying on your phone. Anytime you've got a break, you're learning something new. They're not really paying attention during those moments. And so sometimes I, I tell people, don't look for people to peer on you, support you, and cheer you on when you're studying in your room because they don't see what you see. If they saw what you saw, they'd be sitting right next to me at four o'clock in the morning as I'm studying and as I'm coding, as I'm bringing these things to life. They don't see it. I still remember my mother. She was like, what, do you, what is this tech thing? I don't get it. But when I finally started working at Google, it's like, okay, this is real. I get it. Like, you're doing something. Makes sense now. But until then, it didn't really click, right? I think that's just part of it. So, you know, for me, when getting that first job, it was everything. Because I still remember, I still have a photo my wife took of me actually standing in front of our for, for front door as I was walking out from my first day. First time ever working in an office and going to office. I didn't know what to expect. I was nervous. Like, I was constantly like trying to get mental breaks and I was going to the bathroom just to like, okay, this is real. I'm still here. I didn't get fired yet. And I kept telling this stupid, terrible joke for whatever reason. Like anytime someone's like, how's your first day? How's your, how's your first week? I was like, I didn't get fired yet. So I'm guessing that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke, but in the reality, I'm like, I'm still here, y'all. Like, I don't know how. I keep checking my work badge to make sure, like, it's not yeah. feeling off. You know, like, okay, this is it's not a joke. It's real. But I was so happy. Yeah, for that's awesome. Now, you obviously have moved up. You've gotten a lot of opportunity, and you don't have a degree. Now, it's always a little different, and it's going to be different depending on where you are in the world, right? Because if you're in other countries, sometimes they have different systems. So let's focus on the U.S. perspective. How was it getting the job with a degree? Did you run into issues in interviews where they, hey, you don't have a degree, we're not going to give you a chance? And how'd you navigate that? I know for, without a shadow of a doubt, an absolute fact that there's conversations that I'm excluded from. And I know it. I know it. I know that there's some people that have the, the mindset of, you don't have a degree, we can't talk to you. There's nothing I can really do about that except go and navigate my energy towards people that I can talk to. There's seven, over seven billion, almost eight billion people on this planet. I just need one of them to give me the opportunity that I'm looking for. And that means having a lot of conversations. Sometimes those conversations are fantastic. Sometimes not so much. But the one thing that I tell people, and it took me a long time to realize this, by the way, whenever a company is hiring a junior developer, or like they're even thinking about giving you an opportunity to work for them, they're doing one thing. They're gauging you as an investment because that's literally what you are. They know that if they hire you, there's going to be a certain amount of time where you're not going to be able to contribute to the code base. You're not going to be a valuable member on the team, but they know if given enough resources, enough mentorship, enough time, you're going to make some great contributions over the long term to this code base. That's what they know right? That's a fact. You're an investment. 
Companies are not in the game of making very risky investments. So you must now take it upon yourself to de-risk yourself as an investment, to de-risk yourself and take away the potential pitfalls and risks of hiring a junior developer. So how are you going to do that? You're going to do things like building projects outside of like a traditional to-do list application. You know, it's a great project to learn from. That's not what I would go into an interview trying to lead with. Things like that that just showcase, I know what I say that I know. Here's the proof of it. Here's some complex solutions that I've built to problems and I've delivered said solutions. That is what's going to separate you from a lot of other options and individuals. Because a lot of times when I'm talking to a lot of juniors and they're trying to get their first job in tech, they don't really have a lot showing as far as proof of their technical ability. You know what's funny is every time I get a comment like, no one's hiring junior developers. And I jump on a call with them. Within 10 minutes, we know exactly why they're not having success. Like, oh, or for example, I'll be like, show me your portfolio site. Show me your projects. And the first thing is, well, I haven't finished this thing right here. And I haven't, you, if you already got the objections and you know it's the first thing that people are going to pinpoint as pitfalls, why haven't you yeah. solved this? Why are you just sitting there upset? Like, this is not working and not creating a solution for said thing. You know where the he- hesitance is. Go solve it. Then you remove that topic or objection from the conversation. And I think the other thing that a lot of people have a problem with, especially early on, is auditing their time to make sure they're putting their effort where it belongs. So, for example, prime example here, I was talking to a junior developer. He spent almost 11 months trying to get his first job in tech. Awesome person, right? And I remember getting on a one-on-one call with him. I I do like 10-minute one-on-ones. And I jumped on with him and we were quickly going over something. He showed me this project. He's making like a Discord clone. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And he's like, yeah, I spent the last six weeks working on this piece where, you know, you can add roles to people. I was like, that's really cool. Here's my question to you. You spent six weeks just to add a role functionality, right? In the interview, do you think that's really going to come up? Or are they looking at like the more broader strokes and they're going to ask you some things? And he's like, yeah, you're right. I was like, you could have spent six weeks even building a separate project, and that would have had strong impact to have two really strong projects as opposed to just one that you spent, let's say, three months on, right? Like, it's a crazy amount of time. So auditing that time to make sure you're putting in where it matters the most and is going to have the biggest impact definitely goes along. No, it does. Because, you know, you've heard this thing where people are like, I applied to five, six hundred jobs. I didn't get one interview. And it's like, did you look at the resume? You know, and I've seen some people, it's like, your email's not on the resume. Your email's wrong. Like, even if they wanted to call you, they can't call you back. Your phone number's not there. So it's like, you have to kind of look at what you're doing. Are you doing things properly? You know, if you send 100 messages to people and no one answered, look at the type of messages you're sending. You have to audit your time because you could have actually gotten results. And, you know, such great advice. You know, one thing I'll say, Rafael, on the subject of resumes, I think it is 100% inexcusable by any means, measures, or standards to have a single mistake on your resume. You have your whole life. There's no urgency. You have all the time in the world to make sure that at resume is flawless before you send it out. By you sending it out and having a mistake on there, and they see that, it immediately is like, oh, this person doesn't pay attention to detail. They're not valuing their time. They just threw something together. They haven't probably checked it out. We're not interested. Sending out a resume with any kind of mistake is inexcusable. You should take whatever time necessary to truly look at it and use Grammarly. Check out the grammar. Use a spell check. Spelling mistakes on a resume. You should not have that. It's a huge red flag. Simple things like that 
especially in 2023, y'all, like you can easily use a spell checker. They're free. You don't have to spend nothing on that. So make sure you're auditing that resume before you send it out big time. Yeah. Or have a friend check it out. Like, it's, yeah. it, you know, use your resources. Now let's kind of look back. What would you say are some of the mistakes you've made along your journey? Yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes. The first one is probably listening to people on social media. That's a huge mistake. It took me a long time to realize that there are people that will tell you what you want to hear versus what you need to hear in order to make the right moves and take actionable items. A lot of people on social media are just chasing that red heart and they'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. And you start going down this path. You're like, wow, it's been two years and I've had no success. And a lot of times it's because of what you're consuming mentally and following those attributes. I think another mistake, honestly, has been not being as communicative as I I wish I have been. So sometimes you kind of just, you don't want to look like the fool. So you kind of sit there, stay quiet. And even though you know you're struggling, but you know the impression it might leave, the reality is nobody really cares how you look like as long as you're delivering said results. So if your tickets are moving and the questions you're asking will actually move the needle, that's a question you need to be asking. And it took me a long while to, to realize that. I think the other thing that I really hate that I did not spend a lot of time on was understanding the how valuable code reviews can be and how I can alter the outcomes of those code reviews by taking away important information to actually attribute. Another mistake that I've made, if I'm being honest, is not using my one-on-ones wisely with my upper management, my managers, my directors, et cetera. That has been a huge game changer. And so I think even subtle things like that could be massive in in changing the trajectory. And I'll tell you my biggest mistake of all, I delayed my own entry into tech simply because I was self-sabotaging. Like if that's me just being completely honest. I was at a meetup and a friend of mine, he's still my friend to this day, we were talking and I had already helped several people land their first jobs in tech by getting them into interviews and helping them out. Like I I was confident in this area, but I was like delaying because I was like, nobody wants to talk to the chicken dude, right? Like that's not, that's not something they want to do. So I was literally sabotaging myself. And I remember I was talking to him one day at a meetup. He's like, Danny, you're amazing at helping other people, but you truly suck at helping yourself. And I was like, you're absolutely right. And that's when I basically started interviewing myself. And he even said, he's like, don't you think you can help more people from being on the inside versus staying outside? And I was like, you're absolutely right. Like, that's exactly when I made the mental shift. And it wasn't even not too long after that, that I finally ended up landing my first job in tech. But I'm I'm very grateful for every single thing that was bad and good on my journey because it led me to literally where I am right now. And eternally grateful for that. What would you say is your biggest accomplishment to date? And if you have trouble choosing one, feel free to choose like two or three. My biggest accomplishment overall in life is having a very successful marriage with an amazing woman and having an amazing son. Like that's probably my biggest accomplishment. My biggest accomplishment, truthfully, is making sure that they never have to experience the type of life that I did when I was growing up. That to me, I've already won at that point. Outside of that, like I think an amazing accomplishment is even being in the income bracket that I'm in now. I that I never saw that coming throughout my entire life. I, I'm very grateful for that. And I think one big accomplishment is that I've been able to sustain this because it's one thing to get to a point in life and you're like, whoo, I got here. And then you fall off. But to get there, to continue to exceed and stay there and get opportunity after opportunity coming away, that to me, like, I now know, like, 
because there's still been times, and even now I still get times where I'm like, is this really going to be what I get to experience for the rest of my life? And I'm so grateful that it is. Like, I can see the path. I, I definitely don't see myself dropping down like I used to. I've built up, thankfully, a great little nest egg for my family and myself. So that way, even if the worst happened, theoretically, we should be good and we should be taken care of. And my my wife and my son should always have something there to make sure that they're kind of progressing and, and building stuff up. That, to me, has definitely been like my biggest success as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, now looking back, what was the hardest thing that you went through? One of the hardest things was honestly just believing that I belonged in this industry. Like, I can't even tell y'all how much I hurt myself. I, I get mad at myself when I think back of it, like how much I held myself back just because I didn't believe I belonged here. Just being real about it. I didn't believe I belonged. And once I convinced myself that I belonged, nothing in the universe could have stopped me at that point. Like, I was like, that's it. I'm here. I'm making this happen. But how becoming a software developer was easier than just convincing myself that I belong. Like y'all don't understand the mental block I placed on myself saying like, oh, you don't belong here. They don't want to talk to the chicken dude. My nickname at a lot of meetups was Popeyes, right? Because the whole room would smell like chicken. I'd laugh with them. But the reality was in my mind, I was saying, I can't stand toe to toe with these folks. They coming from degrees. They're working in offices. They're working in like these tech startups. How the hell is somebody like me, Popeyes, going to go ahead and be in a conversation with these folks and working with these folks? There's no way. That was probably one of the hardest things, if I'm being real. The second hardest thing, I talked about this earlier today, too. I remember there was a job interview I went to. It was for a great company. And I was super geeked out, super excited. I made it to like the second round. I'm like, oh. Like, this is starting to become real, right? Like, the first round, I didn't really believe it was real. Second round, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, this is going right. And I remember getting to the final interview. And I'm like, I'm knocking out these questions. And in my mind, each time I get a right answer, I'm like, yeah, I got it. This is going great. I remember walking out of that interview. And before walking out of the room, I like I made a small little friendly joke with the interviewer. They laughed. I'm like, I got this in the bag. Like, I wanted this. It's happening. I remember getting home. I I talked to my wife. She's like, how did it go? I was like, gas station days are over. Like, that's it. This is done. I'm super geeked out. We start celebrating. I was like, it's a shoot-in at this point. And I remember getting a call around like 5.30 that same day. And it was the interview. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Uh, You know, super excited. You know, what are the next steps? They said, Danny, we don't want you. We're going with somebody else. And I remember I was like, you don't want me. What are you talking about? Like, we just had a great interview. Everything went right. I I said all the right things. What what do you mean you don't want me? And they said, we're going to pass. We don't want you. How? What did I I do wrong? And the phone clicked. And I just sat there at my desk. I was like, how did, why? Like, what did I, how, how could you not want me? I was so physically sick. I literally laid in bed for three days. because. I saw the thing that I've been chasing for so long. I saw it. I held it. I touched it. It was there. Like I was hugging my goddamn dream and they just ripped it out of my hands. And that was the moment where I said like that, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen, is it? And I remember my wife like saying, it's going to be okay. We're going to be good. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to be okay because I just had it. I literally was holding it and they said, yoink. 
it was one of the best things that never happened to me. Because not even a week and a half later, I actually got an interview for the job that became my first job in tech. Knowing what I know now, hindsight being 2020, everything that they offered me was eons apart from what the previous company was offering me. I didn't know that at the moment, though. In the moment, I thought, wow, this is my break. And they took it from me. It's over. And the first company I ended up working for was called, a company called Front Door. And they gave me so much mentorship, so much of my abilities of learning how to code. I worked with some truly incredible developers that I was able to get a lot of skills from. It was so much further apart from what I had there. And I'm a very big believer in this. Sometimes the universe sees things, hears things, and witnesses things that you don't see. And it removes that from your path because it knows it's not fit for you. And it may be painful and may be hurtful, but I promise you, you will survive it and you will be so thankful for that. And I still get hurt when I think about that, by the way, because I remember how amazing I felt after leaving that interview and it didn't go my way. Sometimes it's just the nature of the world. But I guarantee you, you will become better as you go through and grow through those tough moments. And in the future, it's going to be a lot harder to hurt you. And now it's significantly harder to hurt me as compared to what it was at that state. So that was probably one of the hardest moments I came over in my current career. What'd you learn from the gas station days that still really helped and set you apart today? Like the work ethic or what? I definitely think the work ethic played a huge part because at that time in my life, you know, I was working 80 hour weeks, 100 hour weeks, making, you know, making my salary. And to be honest, like it was tough. Like it was so tough. And so I even remember like walking into tech, people talk about burnout. I was like, huh, I work 100 hour weeks. Like, what are you talking about? But I used to always audit my time, right? I would say, okay, I'm working all these hours. What did I get done? What did I accomplish? One thing that I've learned is to not confuse movement with success, meaning just because I'm busy doesn't mean I'm being successful in whatever it is that I'm doing. And so that was a huge thing that I learned from the gas station. Like, okay, we're trying to get these displays built. We're trying to get this product out. We're trying to make sure that we hit X amount of customers in a day. What are we doing to achieve those things? For example, if I got to cook a 500-piece chicken order, that's not getting done just by messing around. Like, I got to plan that whole thing out. So sometimes plans of action, super valuable. You know, for me, though, I'll say this. There's a huge distinction and difference between physical effort and mental effort. And there's just a point where your mind is going to be like, I'm done. Like I'm turning off whether you want to or not. And the harder you keep pushing it, the faster you are going to reach burnout. And I used to think burnout was a joke until it hit me. I'm telling you, it is not a joke. And that's coming from somebody who used to work their tail off. There's a point where mentally, like you're just going to say, nope, that's it. So being very mindful of it. And so my rule now has been, I'd rather pull back and rest than to push forward and recover. Because if I pull back and rest, that's a day, that's two days. But if I push forward, there's no telling how long I'm going to need to recover from burnout. I've met people that took weeks, months before they're finally feeling okay again. I've met people that literally left the field of tech to go work as a, a, a taxi driver for a little while, then came back because they just couldn't handle it. Like, don't put yourself in those positions. It's not Yeah, no, burnout is real and it takes time to recover. And, you know, you really start hating things, even just like regular activities throughout the day. Now, this is going to be a unique question. If you saw 18-year-old Danny walking across the street and you had to tell him something, what would you tell him? Being the cool one around your friends is not always the right thing to be doing. And I was so focused on those relationships that 
I mean, most of them don't even exist anymore. You know, I have friends that I haven't spoken to in years because, you know, our paths separated, but I was so focused on trying to be the cool one that I let a lot of opportunities and a lot of success and a lot of foolishness enter my life uh, that shouldn't have been. And I think the other thing that I would say is, if I'm being completely honest, investing in yourself isn't just some random thing people say online. Like, truly investing in yourself is probably one of the biggest things you could possibly do. Like, I remember after entering tech and started like making some serious money, I was like thinking back, I was like, how many years went by? I didn't even read a damn book. Like, I didn't read a book. I didn't do anything to upskill myself. I would tell myself, I remember my son was born and I was wor- I was literally working 100 hour weeks. And I was working seven days a week. I, I, I didn't take no breaks. And I remember telling everybody, like, I'm doing the most that I can. But the reality was I wasn't. Like, I thought I was, but I would just kill myself at work, go home, spend a little bit of time with family, go to sleep, and just repeat the exact same thing over and over and over again. And if you keep repeating the exact same cycle without even having a plan, what are you even doing with yourself? Like, here's the thing. This is what I realized. The hardest worker in the room is oftentimes the least paid. The hardest worker with the plan is oftentimes the person calling the shots. That was the difference. I had no plan. I had nothing to go off of. Prime example, look at construction workers. They would outwork anybody in physical activity. They're killing themselves out there, right? That is not an easy job. But a lot of them don't have plans that can kind of get them to another level. I didn't have one. Most of the people I work with didn't have one because you don't see outside of the the cap success that a lot of people put around you. And a lot of times that comes from the environment that you grow up in. A lot of times it comes from like what people tell you. I would have been a bus driver or a construction worker if I listened to literally what everybody told me in life, right? Because that was success to them. There's nothing wrong with that job, but there comes something when that's, think about it. If that's the highest level of success for a lot of people, you know, they have dreams of like, I want to be a doctor, I'm going to be Lord, I'm going to be a CEO. Even if you fall under that, you're at a pretty high level, right? So sometimes aiming high and falling short still puts you at a very high level of potential for success, making a lot of money, income, et cetera. But when your barometer for success is so significantly lower than a lot of other individuals, it's hard. Even if you land short, you're not really in a position to do much with it. But the problem is for a lot of people in these positions, They're not even told that they can go outside of where they are and grow there. That's what it is. Like you just kind of maintain and go through it. So for me, coming up with a plan earlier on would have been so much more advantageous. But I'll be honest, I never even knew tech was a possibility until I was 30. So I don't even know what plan I could have had before then. I'm glad everything played out the way it was. But I would have wished there was a lot more reasonable and actionable information given to me at a younger age to say, okay, this is something that I can do because no road really seemed open to me at that time. So now what are your future goals, right? You've hit a lot. You've hit a lot of successes. What, you know, drives you now, right? You've obviously come a long way. What's the next steps? Like what's like, what are your CEO type goals now? I got a lot of goals. I'll be honest. I'm very big on goals. I set a lot of goals. Behind this camera, there's a wall and there's a bunch of like index cards. I'm very big on actually writing my goals down and I put it on my wall. So Right now, this is my workstation, right? So there's monitors on the side of this camera. And I mean, you're on one of the monitors. And so I'm constantly working. And as I take a break, I kind of see my goals. And sometimes I audit myself, like, what have I done to try and get a little bit closer to A goal, B goal, C goal, et cetera? Like, one of my goals right now, 
prime example is uh, honestly making a course, which I'm in the process of doing, uh, a programming-focused course. I, but I want to use a different approach than what I've ever seen tried and, and tested. I want to make it more workflow-focused and more actionable on things that people utilize in the industry versus just saying something generic that can get a bunch of buys and views. And so I've tested this theory out a couple of times and it's worked. So I want to test it on a larger scale to see if it's more applicable. But basically my idea is what if we can come out with bootcamp style curriculum, you know, basically get people jobs and it costs them a fraction of the dollar. Like we're talking about like 10, 20 bucks, 40 bucks in total, like something along those lines. Like my goal isn't to really monetize it, but I know it's going to take such a long period of time. Like there has to be some kind of price tag on it. It can't be completely free, but probably going like, you know, a very cheap and expensive route. I'm a huge advocate for like free or very cheap resources. And so I wanted to stay within that role. I know, especially with the the following, I've been told that I could price it high and it will sell like hotcakes, especially from some very notable people in the industry. And that's cool. There's people that are already doing that. I kind of want to advocate for the person that doesn't necessarily have the disposable income to afford those things. Yeah. And you know what? That's one thing that really sets you apart because so many people, you know, you they think about, oh, I'll make a million dollars. But you, you know, one thing is a lot of people forget where they came from. And it's clear that you never forgot where you came from. You understand that there's someone else frying chicken, you know, who $40 is all they have left over and they can't afford a $10,000 boot camp. So, you know, that's one thing um, we need more people like you. And I want to thank you for that. I deserve success. They deserve success. Why don't they deserve it? We breathe the exact same air. Why is it that I'm able to enjoy certain things that another person doesn't? Why is it allowed for other people to enjoy? It's not that we all don't work hard. We all do. I know people that are working their behinds off, but they don't have a lot of things to do. I've seen people from lower income communities get resources and they don't just take it and like, ah, it's, it's whatever. They run with it. They make things happen. They deserve success. Even if I can't give them success, but I can at least open their eyes, spark an idea, and let them start researching something, that's well worth it at that point. And so for me, I don't care if you become a programmer. I don't care if you become a mechanic. I don't care if you become whatever it is that you become. What I do care for is that you actually do something that you want to do, you're pursuant of it, and you're able to make a livable living doing it. And we're not even talking about successes or being rich at this point. I'm saying you should be able to go to sleep at night and not worry about a bill coming in that's going to destroy the rest of your life. Like you shouldn't be worried about like if I'm going to have lights on at the end of the month. These shouldn't be things we worry about. So for me, opening up those conversations a little bit and showcasing areas that people can be more valuable, that's definitely something that I want to do. Or at least showing them ways to increase their skill set. Because here's the thing, even if you learn programming, you don't become a developer, the knowledge you end up gaining helps you out so much in life. It's so well worth it. So I personally think everybody should be learning how to program, not with the idea of becoming a developer, but let's say maybe you want to be a business person. You have, let's say you have a wig business, make your own website, make your own e-commerce platform and start selling it. That's a way to make money. You don't necessarily have to be tied to a lot of the tools that are out there and you can develop solutions that will streamline that process. And next thing you know, you got a successful business on your hands. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people, that's how they get involved. They realize they have a problem, they could solve it. And then that's how they get involved. Now, I really want to thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. How would people support you? How would people follow you? I'm D Thompson Dev on all social media platforms. And if you want to support me, you could literally do one thing, help somebody. Simple as that. I don't want money. Nobody cuts me a paycheck. I don't want a dime. I don't, I don't need your money or want it. What I really want is 
positive impact to create more positive impact. Like if we're helping people, if you've gained anything from this talk, please go help somebody. Whether And especially if you get a level of success, please keep the door open behind you. There's so many people that get somewhere and they forget to keep, keep the door open. Other people can't come in. That's the only thing that I ask. That's the way that this is valuable for me, right? Like I'm grateful that I can make a great living doing what I do. I do this all, all on the side because I just want to help people. And I'm, I'm almost begging you, please help somebody else. Answer a question. Help out. Volunteer somewhere. Even if that's at a homeless shelter, volunteer there. And how about your local community? That's what it, that's literally what makes this all worth it. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.